Hey guys, Dustin here with the Finding Backcountry podcast, sitting down with you for uh, what's going to be a quick little solo episode. And right now I'm sitting in my house on a Saturday watching another snowstorm blow through northern Wyoming. We, uh, man, this year, this winter was looking like another just super mild winter up here. And, and I think it's through a lot of the west for you know, since October to, you know, January or whatever. And all of a sudden, the last two weeks up here and throughout, I think, a lot of the West as well, just absolutely flipped the script on us. And, uh, man, we've just been shoveling snow like crazy, which is which is good, right? As long as um, there was a stretch up here where, you know, we hit those real brutal, like, you know, negative 10, negative 20, you know, negative 30 wind chill type days for a day or two or three or whatever it was. And, you know, from what I understand, those aren't, those aren't so bad as long as they don't, um, you know, persist for, you know, weeks on end, um, or back to back to back. So, so far, it's been it's been I think what you would consider a good winter, good moisture, you know, solid snowpack starting to accumulate throughout most of the West, and you know this it's we're we're three quarters away maybe through the winter or whatever, so it's you know starting to get to a point where we can decide that this is going to be a good winter um, as far as snowpack and stuff up here, and then I think they've been getting a lot of moisture down south, and that's you know up here it can be a a curse if we get too much and down there if it's a curse if they don't get enough and so you know it always seems like it's never perfect everywhere out west so but that's what we're dealing with um just wanted to throw this episode out as a solo episode and kind of a this will be an application strategy uh for myself and then just some and and then generally uh break down what i think of of each unit um you know this is one of those things it really really just depends on what your goals are obviously um you know i can sit here and talk about what i would do or what i think you should do or whatever but really it comes down to uh what your goals are and that's always the most important place to start because if you're not exactly sure what you're trying to accomplish uh, with your apps and your hunts and stuff then then it can just you can end up all over the board and um, you know you can get into problems maybe you have hunts that overlap or um, you know you don't draw anything because you're putting in for hunts that are higher quality and harder higher demand than you should or vice versa you have a bunch of hunts that are terrible trophy quality and you're looking for a certain size buck or bull or whatever. So that's the first thing is come up with your own application strategy. Um, I think it's pretty easy for me to say that, uh, you know, with two, two general focuses for me, um, one is right now is just mule deer. I, what, for whatever reason, I've caught the mule deer bug for the last, you know, two or three years or whatever it's been. And not that I won't hunt elk. I hunted elk last year. It was fun. But I'm trying to make mule deer my priority this year. So, and then the other half of that for me is the quality of the of the tag or the quality of the mule deer, right? I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm not a, I'm not two, 220 or die or anything like that. But I'm just, you know, I've, I'm not interested in an opportunity hunt um, like someone who's maybe just getting into it or uh, someone who's picking up a bow for the first time and maybe just wants to, you know, chase deer till, you know, for three or four stalks a day or something like that. Um, you know, I would, I think I would absolutely put in for a tag right now that had low, um, low quantities or low populations of deer, but had a chance at a bigger buck and plan on eating my tag um, or whatever. And, and maybe I'll give a couple examples of that. So, those are my two focuses. And when I, you know, when I say, when I, right now, when I picture trophy mule deer or trophy deer, you know, we were just talking about this yesterday at work and someone made the comment about, 
you know, if you saw a 180 inch buck, we were talking about optics and what optics you'd pack into the backcountry for certain hunts and, and why you would pack certain optics. Um, you know, this time of year, I'm always fine tuning my gear and had the chance to, you know, pick up some, uh, upgrade some optics this year. And so I'm trying to get, you know, the best system in place for each hunt and each situation. And, um, I kind of made, you know, I, I made the goal that I was going to pack my spotting scope on every single hunt. And the reason is because, you know, be, because of what I'm talking about, because, you know, for me, the, the size of the, the size of the buck matters. It just does. <clears throat> now that that's not to say I'm not going to mess up or have a moment of weakness or get on a hunt where I just decide that 160 inch deer is the one I'm going to shoot. I'm going to really try not to this year. Um, just like I did last year. But, uh, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to look at a deer across the basin two miles away and know whether it is 165 or 181 inch deer, or, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm that good at scoring, but just generally be able to bracket them, you know, within five or even 10 points of uh, a measurement score. Then it, in most of these Western hunts, I've got to pack a spotting scope and and so someone made the comment you know are you really gonna you know this or that or what size of buck and and it was kind of like 180 right i was i was benchmarking 180 for me 180 inch deer is a massive uh buck they they come few and far between uh nowadays it seems like not that they're not out there i think 180 inch buck lives in just about every single respect you know average uh you know common mule deer unit in the west probably uh, within reason. And so, uh, I think that's pretty realistic yet. Um, you know, a goal that you have to work towards and you have to sacrifice some stuff. So that's where I'm at. Um, you know, I'll be honest, I already can tell that I'm, I'm in a predicament with some tags that I'm going to run into or hunts that I'm going to have coming up this year. Um, you know, all, all that being said about my goals, there's a few, you know, key states and key hunts that I just like refuse to miss, right? I just cannot miss that. Well, I also have <clears throat> some good buddies, uh, that I try to hunt with any chance I get. Um, and especially if they draw, you know, what, what we consider a, maybe a once in a decade type of a tag. And we've got one of those probably coming this year, right? Corey, um, you know, you guys have heard Corey on here and he hunts with me a lot. He's been out here building points since he moved out here for like a Utah elk hunt, right? And that is his thing. He, he cut his teeth, uh, following me around back when I was a lot more addicted to elk, uh, when he first came out here. And so it's probably my own fault, but he cut his teeth following me around and ended up becoming an awesome uh, elk caller and has packed out, you know, at least one or two bulls, I think for me, um, join South Cox on the most epic elk hunt footage that I've ever seen. And he was the one calling. So, um, anyway, it's, it's, it's what he lives for and he's got the points <clears throat> this year, excuse me, to more than likely pick up a good elk tag, uh, archery elk tag in Utah. Well, the other part of that is, uh, and, and this is the year to draw it. And the reason I say that is the way that Utah aligns their season dates, it's not like a state like Colorado will set a date, right? The archery deer hunt in Colorado is going to open on September 2nd. It opened on September 2nd last year, I believe. It'll open on September 2nd next year. It doesn't matter what day of the week that falls on. Utah uses a day of the week and so because they open on whatever it is the <clears throat> third saturday of august or whatever it actually is you can picture the calendar year and you realize that every seventh year or eighth year or whatever it is that that last day of the season the first day is not the one we're worried about on an archery hunt that opens in august it's the last day right and so every seventh year or eighth year however it works it rolls back a week basically. And so you went from last year, I believe that that hunt, that archery elk hunt in Utah last year 
uh, closed on September 11th. This year, it rolled back and will close on September 17th. That is a big deal. Um, when you are including that block of days from the 12th until the 17th on the end of an archery hunt in September, that is a big deal and can mean, oh man, can mean a huge, it, it, it will be all the difference um, more than likely. And so not only does he have the points, this is the year to draw. Well, not the problem because I owe Corey as much as I can give him. Um, but there's just some other hunts that are right smack dab. Man, I like there's just not enough September, right? Um, last year, you guys probably heard the story. I went down with Corey, uh, who found this buck, but we went down on some leftover tags in Colorado on the muzzleloader hunt. That hunt, like I mentioned about Colorado, those dates, September 12th to September 20th, and they're set. Well, you know, we went down last year found the buck of my life killed him and it's it's crazy not to think about going back you know to that hunt that tag right well unless you know unless you've got a buddy that's going to draw this elk tag in utah and so that's something i've got to navigate um you know i really will do everything i can to help Corey on that hunt um there's also i'm a wyoming resident and so the other predicament that I'm in is you've got a pretty epic general mule deer tag that we just get over the counter, right? And to put it in perspective, some of the areas that you can hunt with this tag, uh, non-residents, for example, are taken anywhere from three points, I would say, all the way up to eight points to draw for some of these regions. Um, and so that kind of puts it in perspective of what value everyone outside of Wyoming puts on this hunt. And I will be honest, I didn't even get to hunt it last year. Um, it, it was my biggest mistake of last year. All things, even though how everything played out, um, to have, you know, and this is, this is something I just talked about with Travis on the previous episode, if you didn't listen to that, but we talk about, you know, the grass is greener syndrome and, you know, leaving, driving through Wyoming to go to these other hunts in other states that we've never been to, or we don't, there's, we're, it's too far proximity to, to scout, um, you know, give it the due diligence of scouting. Now it obviously worked out for us last year. And so, you know, you can't complain too much, but it should be a tag that I take serious every single year, um, not just because of the proximity, not just because of the quality, but because it's the exact hunt that I'm looking for. It's You have a backcountry, high country, high alpine, early season opportunity. You, as a, um, as a tag holder in Wyoming, it's this tag is just a rifle tag, an any weapon tag, and then you can also... Uh, pick up the archery stamp you just buy the archery stamp and it allows you on this tag in these in these units at least to hunt the first two weeks like september 1st to the set to the 15th or 14th or whatever with a bow and then you can literally pick up a rifle the next day and hunt these deer and so it's just a very solid mule deer opportunity that checks a ton of boxes that i would be crazy not to put a lot of time and effort into so there's that um, and then obviously unknown draws, right? I mean, when you apply in this many states, uh, let's see, Arizona, New Mexico, uh, Nevada, Colorado, Utah, Idaho, possibly Montana. I mean, that's eight right there, at least seven, possibly eight states that I'll be applying for and just numerous tags. There's going to be some unknown draws. We usually welcome those as hunters because those unknowns are usually, um, uh, I'll call them fancy tags. <laughs> Those are tags that uh, we maybe didn't plan on drawing because we weren't, you know, we didn't quite have the points that you would expect to draw it, or we shot for the stars. Maybe it's a state like New Mexico where there isn't bonus points, and so the odds are, you know, less than one percent or less than five percent or whatever. But it's an epic, you know, it's a, it's a, we'll call it a fancy tag, right? I'm all about those fancy tags. Uh, when I can get them, they're usually low 
hunter numbers or very high quality uh, animals or both, you know, so unknown draws in the fancy tags. And then, um, you know, and, and, and so that's kind of the predicament uh, that I'm going into this fall. It's a very good predicament. It's a first world problem predicament, but it's something that I have to navigate. <clears throat> uh, I have a goal. Obviously, I mentioned mule deer in general, and then I want to get on one like epic five to seven day backpack archery hunt this year. Um, if you're familiar with where I work here, it's something that, you know, is not top priority um, like it used to be. And I, 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 I love hunting with a rifle. I love hunting with a muzzleloader. I'll hunt with anything if I can get the tag. But um, I've got a new bow coming uh, from Hoyt. And so not a new bow coming from Hoyt like they gave it to me. I'm paying for it. Um, but I ordered a new bow. I'm excited to play with that new toy this year. And so I want to dedicate a hunt to that. Um, and then obviously, like I said, Corey's tag, if at all possible, I'm going to try to get down there. <clears throat> Maybe even just do some scouting with him, you know. I don't think we realize, um, you know, this will be, I think, a new unit that, to him that he's never, at least to my knowledge, I, I've never hunted it with him. At least he may have been down there with someone else. But, um, you know, you can, I feel like you can pay guys uh, forward as much scouting, you know, maybe go down and set some trail cameras for him, but I'll do everything I can to get on the actual hunt. So, um, the way that right now, if I had to like choose and apply the way that this is going to go for me is I think I'll default to, I think I'll actually pick up a Colorado archery tag if I can. And that's not super easy because I don't have any points. So I don't know if I'll pick one up in the draw or if I'll play the roulette of the leftover tags um, again this year. But I think either way I can secure a an archery mule deer Colorado uh, tag, you know, in the high country. And again, that'll open September 2nd. I could go down and hunt that for, the you know, five to seven days uh Corey's hunt he'll be dedicating to the last week if he draws that that would be like the uh 12th through the 17th like we said and I already have that week off I blocked that out at work like January 1st basically I put in for that because I knew I knew either way that whether Corey draws doesn't draw whether I go hunt archery or whether I actually go you know maybe I go back down and do the muzzleloader hunt and Corey doesn't like hunt with me anymore or whatever I knew that week right there was going to be blocked out. So, but maybe I sneak down on that Colorado archery hunt first part of September. Then maybe I either come back and either I'm on Corey's hunt or, and, or I hit that Wyoming high country, kind of that opener, um, with the, with the archery rifle combo right there. Um, it transitions over right in the middle of that week that I have off. So that would be a cool, you know, four or five day bow hunt, three, four day rifle hunt. That would be pretty sweet. But if not, um, and I end up on Corey's hunt, if he draws that, then, um, that Wyoming rifle deer tag in the high country still goes till like October 6th, I believe. And so I could still, it's not the worst idea. Um, you know, just from what I've seen to plan on hunting that tag late, if, you know, my, my experience or, or especially these guys up here that have hunted this a lot more than I have, um, you know, the David Longs, the Robbie Dennings that I feel like have spent some time in this, on this Wyoming general tag, uh, that I've spoken to. It's either a first, you know, day or two of the season opening, or you might as well either, either wait for a good snowstorm to come in. If you have the flexibility of sitting back you know, maybe, maybe you hunt the opener on that tag and then you come home and let the dust settle and then wait, you know, a lot of times it happened last year. It happened the year before we will almost inevitably get a massive snowstorm. It seems like sometime between September 15th and October 6th, uh, I can think of at least the last two or three years that's happened pretty consistently the tail end of those massive snowstorms in the high country can be absolutely epic for turning up or finding or uh, 
tipping over a big buck. And so if you can be flexible and hit that with your work and your vacation, then that is a pretty deadly way to approach that tag. Otherwise, if I don't feel like I can get away with that at work, I will just block out the last five or six days of that hunt. And then, you know, that would be in October, whatever, first through the sixth or something like that. And I would just, you know, hope that that lines up with the weather somehow. So then I already have, this was actually the first tag that I picked up. And I'll talk Idaho here in, in uh, actually I'll talk it right now, but, or a uh, little later. But I picked up one of the over-the-counter tags. You know, I kind of got a little worried the way that they did their over the, and I'm glad I did. Um you know, there was a lot of hoopla about Idaho changing their over-the-counter non-resident allocations and tag process this year. They basically set a quota to the non-residents for each unit, whereas in the past it's been somewhat unlimited as far as I understand. And there's been no regulation about where guys can hunt with each tag, and now they've just, you know, set and they've started with a quota. And so those some of those better tags in Idaho over counter, I think they went on sale December 1st or something pretty early, uh, relative to the application season. And they inevitably, the good ones sold out or the ones without a lot of, uh, tags. And so I got on the first day or two and picked up a tag unit that I've never been to. It's crap dates. And that's what you expect with most of these easy to get over the counter, uh, mule deer tags, October 10th to the 24th. It's like the worst, you know, whatever that is, two or three weeks that you would want to be chasing mule deer. But the flip side is it's over the counter and you have it. And so I picked that up, um, you know, <clears throat> diving into anyway, let me just let me just button up kind of my my year here. And then I'm going to go through each one of these uh, Western states. And so that's that is what I have right now. That's my plan. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, I'll talk as I go through some of these states. There's obviously going to be some things like, you know, Wyoming elk tag that I'll I'll try and draw again um, with the situation up here. And, you know, I've got points in multiple states, Nevada and Utah and all this stuff. So um, I want to end. I actually want to end with Utah because I'm going to try to get this out. And I'm going to go a little bit more in depth with Utah. I'm going to skim over some of these other states. Um and then I'm going to go in-depth on Utah uh, because the deadline for that is March 4th. And so, and that's coming up if I'm going to try to get this out uh, probably today, Saturday the 27th, one day before my birthday. No big deal. Um, turning the big 3-5, which is crazy. Uh, I used to sit in high school and early in my college career and think about, you know, these times like turn you know it seemed like 30 35 all these these five-year milestones in years they're not any different than 34 or 36 but it just hits different and it's like man i'm gonna be 35 and the reality is starting to set in but no i man i feel really good about you know where i'm at in life and and 35 i'm i'm really kind of excited because i feel like i'm again i'm doing things that i love and i'm hitting my groove and i you know it's just been a good life so far so um anyway try to get this out today february 27th that will give uh if you're dedicated to this podcast and listen right away that'll give guys you know whatever that is three or four days uh to get an app in uh some past real quick some past applications that guys have already missed unless you got in for them uh some notable apps that are already passed Wyoming non-resident elk, they do it early, they do it first. It isn't tied to any of the other apps, and it uh, the deadline for that was February 1st. Uh, Arizona elk and antelope, they do that one early as well. It's like February 9th. So if you haven't got in for those, unfortunately, it's too late this year. Some notable upcoming draw deadlines uh, coming real quick right here if you – have been applying for Wyoming moose, sheep, or goat, kind of those once-in-a-lifetime deals uh, or type of hunts, fancy hunts, in other words. Um, that deadline is actually March 1st, so that's going to hit here, and you're going to have, you know, till Monday, basically. And then Utah, that's the one I really want to dive into at the end here, March 4th, because that's all species. I think Utah's a, a must-apply-for state for most guys. New Mexico, 
all species. Uh, that's a March 17th coming up, and I'll touch on that. And then just another one that I saw was coming up that might interest some guys is Wyoming bison, and that's March 31st. So uh, in no particular order, it's not alphabetic. It's not, I don't know, I kind of just went from bottom to top, I think. But um, starting with New Mexico, and this now, this will just kind of be my generic recommendation or my strategy um, for how I approach these states. Adjust it to your own, uh, you know, your own goals and what you're trying to accomplish um, accordingly. New Mexico, I try and shoot for the stars. New Mexico, some unique things about New Mexico, you have to front all the money for any application that you put in. Uh, and you're going to sit on that money for two or three months, there are, I will say there are application services out there that for a relatively small fee, call it interest or whatever, they will front that money for you if you let them apply for you. That might be something to consider. There are some credit card companies that I know of. Uh, my Shields card, I think, any purchase over 500 bucks, I believe, you get like six months with no interest anyway. And so in theory, if you find something like that, maybe you can apply on on a credit card buyer beware be very careful i'm not responsible when you get into debt over hunting and lose your uh, job and your wife <laughs> uh, but maybe you can use that uh, to sneak some applications in and not have it cost you anything unless you draw uh, and then no bonus points so that I actually like. I like the variety throughout the West for the most part. There are some times where, you know, no bonus point or bonus point, I feel like it, it hurts me or helps me or whatever. But generally, I like the variety, and New Mexico offers that. There's no bonus point. So the nice thing about that is you can sit out a year. You can not apply a year, apply the next year. You haven't. It's not like you've lost a point or any ground. You're right back square one with everyone else and so for better or for worse that's new mexico i said shoot for the stars um new mexico for me especially where i live now northern northwest wyoming um man if i'm going to drive to new mexico it is not going to be for some opportunity tag i just can't justify that and so i'm shooting for the stars they got kind of the upper I think the upper northwest for mule deer, there's uh, two or three or four units there that border the Hickoria. Probably where you want to focus your attention, depending on the season dates. They have some late rifle hunts that can get pretty good there. And that's usually what I'm talking about there. Um, and then elk, you know, you got the um, the Gila uh, for in New Mexico. And that's in and around. That's the most popular for shooting for the stars there. Um, I didn't do antelope. I did everything else though. Um, or, or I do with everything else recommend if you confront the money, um, New Mexico has good antelope, but when you live in Wyoming, it's just, you know, how many more antelope do I want really want to hunt each year? So, um, but they, you know, again, the chance to put in for, you know, a desert sheep or a Rocky mountain sheep and not have to fight with some guy that has max points and you're just barely starting, that's that's pretty fair deal in my opinion. Plus they have um they have the super cool, you know, exotic Ibex, uh Oryx and um stuff like that. So uh must apply for depending on your opportunity. Um I use I look at the season dates in New Mexico very carefully and I, you know, for example, I explained my problems that I have in August and September or September specifically this year. So all of my apps in New Mexico were for October and later. And so if I pick up a whatever, another random odd ad tag, it's I put in for like December um, and the deer tags I put in in November. So um, moving on to Arizona again basically shooting for the stars Arizona's similar I think quality or type of hunts there's very few you know deer units that are that are fancy we'll call them again um, but the difference is they take points right and they take a lot of points obviously the strip and the kaibab and stuff and so if I'm going to 
um, be applying in Arizona. I'm just biding my time and I'm shooting for the stars. And so, you know, not planning on drawing anything. I do it with elk. I do it with antelope. I do it with everything. Um, uh, and that's just kind of where I'm at there. I'm just playing the long game with points in Arizona. Um, anything else to touch on? Uh, Arizona has some cool stuff with uh, bonus points. If you apply for five straight years, you're going to get what's called a loyalty point, basically just rewarding you for a longevity of applications and giving you an extra point. You don't have to do anything to get that other than just apply five consecutive years, and which I'm getting pretty close, I think. I just started doing Arizona four or five years ago. And then there's also one that I need to go down and do sometime, and that's uh, a point for attending their hunter safety class, which, whatever, um, seems a little bit silly. But, hey, if someone's giving out free points, you do not look a gift horse in the mouth at that point, right? You just get down there, and I need to do it. I need to just go down there, and you get an extra point. So, technically, you jump from, like, you know, on your from your fourth year to your fifth year, you go from five to seven points just like that, technically, you know. So, anyway, uh, moving on to Nevada. Nevada, in a nutshell, just breaks my heart. Um, and I say that because I grew up there. I have hunted a lot of these premium units in Nevada, the south, you know, that southeast side of the state for mule deer and elk. And <laughs> so I say it breaks my heart because I just, I know those units, I miss hunting them. And yet as a non-resident for the real premium units and seasons, you, you really don't have a chance um, until you have a substantial amount of bonus points. So It'll happen. I'll draw eventually. Um, I've got a pile of elk points, uh, building up some deer points and stuff like that. So, but it just is a long shot. I do not ever, at least right now, I don't plan on drawing Nevada. For me, it's a, it's just a must apply for because of the quality and because it's my home state. So, um, there's always a chance in, in Nevada. That's another thing to consider. They do have bonus points in every state just because they have bonus or preference points. It doesn't mean the same thing, obviously. Um, the way Nevada works, they do not, it's not a preference point system. It's a bonus point, and it's a, what I would consider a pure bonus point, meaning there's never, even though there's points, there's never a guarantee or you don't ever cross that threshold of guaranteeing you a tag just because you have a certain amount of points. For example, we'll talk about Utah. Utah allocates 50% of the tags in most hunts for the applications or the, the applicants that apply with the most bonus points. And so what that means is eventually there's usually a tipping point, you know, especially on hunts, deer and elk hunts where there's relatively high amount of tags, you get to a point where you know that you're going to draw because you've crossed that threshold. Um, Colorado is a preference point system, a little different than Utah. Sorry, Utah, they allocate the top half half the tags to the top bonus points and then the other half go into the random draw with the rest of the um, applicants and I don't think that, the, that those tags take into consideration bonus points it's just a random I want to say I could be wrong and maybe I'm thinking of Wyoming someone will correct me if I am but either way I'm, I'm pretty close right uh, Colorado has a preference point system like for deer for example once you hit a certain number of points that it's been taken to draw that tag, assuming that someone else doesn't jump in to that application that year, you know, and, you know, a bunch of guys with high, higher bonus points, then you know when you're going to draw. So if that tag takes three preference points and that's the tipping point and you have three, you're going to draw. Nevada, none of those. Every So what they do, though, is they take your points and they square them. And so what that means is, you know, if you picture um, numbers being squared, it exponentially increases your chances of drawing. Uh, for every point that you have, it gets squared. 
And so you gain you gain more traction faster or you know the higher points you get the the higher percentage you have even though you're only adding technically one point to your total because they're squared you know the delta between um, five points being squared to 25 and 10 points being squared to 100 you know in your points is only five to ten right it's 50 percent increase but um in the squaring you know 25 to 100 that's 4x instead of 2x you see what i'm saying so but it's still never guaranteed and so you know you can <laughs> you can you could apply in theory you could apply with 20 the most points that anyone could possibly have for some mule deer tag in nevada but if one of those uh points that gets squared doesn't come out high in the in the draw and you just have crap luck then it doesn't mean anything you could still not draw so there's always a chance and yet you know it generally still plays out pretty evenly and you you know it takes the amount of points that it takes on average so uh that's nevada i hope to hunt it every year and i don't plan on it colorado opportunity colorado is opportunity uh, elk, mule deer, I think for elk, you know, still the reigning champ of just opportunity. That is until the wolves get a hold of it. Um, <laughs> that's, I say that jokingly, but uh, it's not funny at all. Um, right now, you know, Colorado up till, you know, wolves took hold. They probably still have, you know, the most, uh, just the most overall elk opportunity tags over. A lot of them are over the counter. Uh, same with mule deer too, in general, um, not doing, you know, they're not thriving. I don't think they're not doing better than they have been, but they're still just, you know, and last year proved that there is still just, uh, always opportunities in Colorado. It's a state that I will try and hunt mule deer in until, you know, I'm seeing more wolves than mule deer on these hunts, um, which, you know, could be coming pretty quick. So, um, those are opportunity states for me. I think that, you know, if, if you're a mule deer or elk guy, you probably should be hunting or applying for Colorado every single year. And if you play your cards right, you can, uh, <laughs> real quick, California, I put down my notes on California are this, I wouldn't give California a penny if they were growing 400 inch deer. And that's all I'm going to say about hunting in Colorado or in California. <laughs> Ironically, Colorado is kind of turning into California, um, but not quite, not nearly as bad. And so I'll still give them my pennies if they'll give me 199-inch mule deer. Oregon and Washington, man, I am the last guy to even talk about this. Never applied up there. I know one thing that's interested me about, I think it's Oregon, is the sheep tags. I, man, I should have done my research. I can't remember if they have, I don't think they have a bonus point system for their sheep. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But I think for relatively cheap, a guy can apply for some of those type of tags up in Oregon. Um, and man, anytime that you've got a chance, if, if what I'm thinking is true and there's not a bonus point and you can just kind of apply for relatively cheap, you know, 50 to 100 bucks or whatever, 150 even for a sheep tag and have a chance, man. I think I'm kind of crazy to not have been doing that. So I might look into that this year if I'm what I'm remembering is right. Idaho, another opportunity state. Um, it, you know, I talked about the over the counter tag. That's exactly the strategy that I would recommend in, in Idaho, depending on what and when you're going to draw other tags in other states and what you have on your plate. I would almost always recommend maybe just picking up a an over-the-counter tag in Idaho and just sitting on it, right? And and knowing that you have that, but using it to your advantage. If other if other hunts pop up and you don't end up using it, who really cares, right? It's the one tag that you don't mind burning. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to throw money away, but man, if you accidentally draw some of those fancy tags. And all of a sudden you've got a, you know, a different hunt or two or three hunts that you weren't planning on or something like that. That's the throwaway tag. That's the tag that you just keep in your back pocket. It's, you know, your, your uh, B tag, uh, you know, just waiting 
on deck. And so the other thing, a um, couple things about Idaho is you can pick up one of those tags early and they still let you apply in the regular draw. They have like a really late, like it's like June deadline, I think for their, they have limited entry type draw tags. Um, and so you can pick up an over-the-counter run-of-the-mill tag in December in Idaho and then see how almost every other state draws out. And if you don't, if you don't end up picking up some fancy tag, then you can still throw your name in the hat later on in the, you know, late in the spring, almost summer, in June, I think, and possibly pick up a, like an epic, like legit, you know, November deer hunt. Um, some of them require you to use their, you know, the different muzzleloader systems with the exposed percussion caps and open sights or whatever, but still, um, they have some rifle tags that fall into November. So, you know, you can, uh, you know, you can kind of play that to your advantage and just know that you can still apply for like a real premium fancy tag later in the year. And then they just swap it for the tag that you already got, you know, back in December. So that's, that is exactly what I'll try and do. Assuming that I haven't already found out about some, you know, two or three other, uh, fancy tags that, you know, are going to fall under the same season dates. And then I would just, you know, either just sit on my, just hunt my over the counter October 10th to the 24th tag, or even just not hunt it. Right. And just whatever, you know, good problem to have. Another thing with Idaho to consider is I think they, generally speaking, as a non-resident, they have the best sheep, moose, or goat draw odds that you're going to find. Again, aside from your home state and not counting, you know, a state that maybe you've been putting in for, uh, you know, Wyoming moose bonus points for 20 years or whatever. If you're just jumping into things, uh, there's no bonus points in Idaho. And the kicker with Idaho that you probably understand, we all know this, they make you choose. They make you do some choosing, and that increases chances of drawing. They also make you uh, front the money, which always increases chances of drawing a little bit. But by choosing, what I mean is they make you first choose, are you going to apply for deer, elk, and antelope in the limited draws that I was talking about? If you do, and I... This does not apply to the over-the-counter, as far as I understand. You can have an over-the-counter deer tag, um, and that's separate from this. But they make you choose the limited draw deer, elk, and antelope, or choose between moose, sheep, and goat. So first you choose, do I want to hunt, do I want to apply for deer, elk, and antelope, or do I want to apply for moose, sheep, or goat? Once you've made that decision of those two options... Then if you choose moose, sheep, and goat, you have to choose one of those three. You can see how that filters down the demand for some of these tags just because not everyone can apply for every hunt. I really like it. I have yet to apply, I don't think, for any of the uh, you know, moose, sheep, or goat over there. But I'm telling you, you look at some of the draw statistics and you know, when you can have a 5, 10, 15% chance maybe at some of those type of tags, that is very, very good. So use that uh, to your advantage. Montana, real quick. Man, <sighs> Montana. Before I lived this close to Montana, I can almost, you know, Uncle Rico could throw a football from here and hit Montana. Um, my shoulder is just not in that good a shape anymore from years of pitching. But Montana has, first of all, they have a combo tag that's, it's expensive, but it's, it's, they entice you to apply for the deer and the elk. And so that's the first thing. If we're talking deer and elk here, um, you know, they make the, the elk tags like, I don't know, seven or 800 bucks. And then to add the mule deer tags, like another hundred or 200 or something like that. And, you know, it ends up being stupid almost not to just pay the extra one or 200 bucks or whatever it is to pick up both tags, even though I've never really been a guy that's loved having multiple tags on the same hunt in my pocket, especially if you're trying to kill 
older age class, bigger, mature buck or bull, um, you need to focus up. Usually most guys cannot do either tag justice. They'll either, you know, one, then the other one get crapped away or whatever. But anyway, I have yet to bring myself to apply. I probably will this year finally because it's just so close. But here's the thing about Montana, specifically the deer tags. I think their elk tags are just solid, right? If I was an elk guy, no brainer living this close Montana, like pretty long season dates, ton of opportunity. And they just have the type of country that grows good bulls, you know, good big bulls come out of there every year. The deer though, this is going to sound a little bit ironic, but because the season dates go so late and there's so many tags given out up there, I just hesitate to hunt Montana. If you're after an older age class buck, right? Think about having a state that offers mule deer tags that go from like October till freaking like December, right? And and that sounds awesome, right? That's when you want to be hunting mule deer, but not if there's every other Tom, Dick, and Harry out there, um, you know, with the same tag and they just hammer those deer during the rut and they hammer them and they hammer them every single year. And I know big bucks come out of Montana, but I'm just not sure that I want to deal with that. So someone up there, Sam or somebody, one of you guys, um, call me and, and tell me I'm wrong. But I what I don't think is I don't think it's worth the drive just for the combo tag. If you're, you know, if you live in Utah or southern Colorado, anywhere in Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, it is not worth the drive. Um in my, in my opinion, at least not for those general combo tags. Now, uh, my home state of Wyoming real quick. And then Utah, uh, Wyoming. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Wyoming, uh, even as a non-resident. Um, I'm all about just the, I think the general mule deer tag, uh, for most guys checks the box, uh, anywhere from three to eight years, depending on which of those two units, the advantage of the eight year tag, is non-wilderness right and that can be that can present a problem in wyoming if you're a non-resident you can't just walk you know hunt willy-nilly into the wilderness you got to have a guide or a resident guide and so it might be worth waiting the extra you know few years to have more freedom in the unit in hunt an area that basically doesn't have any wilderness and you know i i don't love being restricted like that um it kind of reminds me of units that are you know that all include the same mountain range but you know it just the ridge line is the is the border and so you end up hunting you know right on the the borderline of another unit and so 50 percent of the country that you could be looking at in theory is not huntable and it's kind of gives me that same feel um on the on the three-point tag in wyoming and there i'll also say there's other general tags um, that take less points that I think are sleepers, honestly. I know, I know they are. I know guys that uh, live up here that don't even mess with those other units and uh, have killed some pretty nice bucks. So consider that. Um, you know, elk. I think that if you're going to come hunt Wyoming elk, uh, you either do one of two things. You pick up the two points. I think two points, maybe that it takes two or three points that it takes to hunt the general tag understanding that you got some of the same problems there are some units in wyoming that you can hunt hunt excuse me the general tag that don't have any wilderness problems but a lot of the good stuff probably does um, i'm still learning those those hunts and those units um, and so you either do that maybe you think about hiring an outfitter or a packer to get you into some country um, or you just start building some points and hold out for one of these you know any of these units right here outside of cody uh, northwest of, or, uh, west of us here between Cody and the park, uh, you know, down to, you know, Thermop 62, 63, uh, 56, 55, 51, whatever is all up in there. Understanding a couple things. Um, one, the wilderness thing that we just talked about, huge, huge issue. All, a lot of those, all, some of those units have none. A lot of those units have exclusive wilderness, uh, but they also have some big bulls. Uh, and so you might have to hire an outfitter. And then two is grizzly bears, obviously. Um, and we've talked about that a little bit, but you just better be ready for grizzly bears. So 
Uh, and then Wyoming is, you know, we haven't talked much about antelope yet. Wyoming's the place, honestly, uh, build three to five points and come up and have a, a heck of a hunt for, you know, a 70 to an 80 plus inch goat, you know, maybe an 85 inch goat somewhere, but okay. Utah deadline, March 4th coming right up. If you hustle here, you can get it in. Um, I think Utah is one of the best bangs for your buck. They're starting to increase some of their fees, which is tipping that scale a little bit uh, more back to, you know, probably where it should be. But for years there, you could pick up, you know, their hunting license was 65 bucks. And then every app after that was only 10 bucks. And it was like, you know, all, all in said and done, you know, 120 bucks or whatever you could get in for most of the opportunities there in Utah and build points. That's starting to increase. I think the tag went up this year, uh, 15, 20 bucks or whatever, the hunting license. And then, but I'll, I'll give you a pro tip on that um, here in a second. And then the, the, the fee, the app fee for each species also went up and they might've increased uh, tag fees. I can't remember. Anyway, now it's like 15 bucks. So it's starting to become, you know, by the end, I think I applied me and Jen for everything you could literally apply for. And it was like, oh, this is, about the same price as like states like Nevada or Arizona that make you buy a $150 license or whatever. But I still think it's a good bang for your buck. Um, the pro tip on that with specifically regarding the hunting license, um, you've probably heard this talked about before, but Utah's weird. So they only require a hunting license to apply for your tags. Okay. They do not require, as far as I understand, now, disclaimer, you do your own research, verify this with Fish and Game or the regs or whatever, but as far as I understand still, you do not have to technically have your hunting license to hunt, right? Sounds retarded. Sorry, you're not supposed to say that nowadays. Sounds silly. Um, all you have to have your hunting license for is to apply for hunts. Once you obtain your permit, that's what you have to have in the field. And so what that means is you can do what's called like a license double dip, right? Now, at this point in the game, in the year, you you better do this the, today whenever you hear this. Um, because what that means is as soon as you buy your hunting license, okay? So right now, it's February 27th. You get on tomorrow, February 28th. Happy birthday to me. And you buy your hunting license in Utah and and then you apply between February 28th and March 4th, right? Done. Boom, you get in, you're good. The following that's 2021. Wrap around to 2022 and here comes application of season again. As long as you apply for your hunts before that license expires on February 27th or whatever day it's going to expire in 2022, then you use that same license because it's still good while you're applying and you're in the draws and that's it. And you don't actually buy another hunting license in 2022 next year. Okay. Again, huge disclaimer, always do your research, but as far as I understand that you, you can still double dip in Utah. So it takes, even if that hunting license now is 80 bucks or whatever it is, it takes that and cuts it in half, right? Cause I won't have to you know, what Jen and I do, I try to apply every year around the middle of the month. And so, and then I've alternated me and Jen. Uh, so, you know, this last year, I didn't buy me a license because mine didn't expire until the 14th or 15th of February. And I just knew that I had to apply by then. Uh, Jen's was up this year. So I bought hers around the middle of the month and then applied her after I had applied myself later in the second half of the application period and then she won't have to buy one next year because i'll apply her early and round and round we go so um when you buy your hunting license and start applying in utah i think at that point you're crazy not to at least build points for everything uh obviously uh as a non-resident as a resident that doesn't apply because they simply don't let you apply for everything as a resident kind of crazy or weird but that's just how it is they make you choose the limited entry deer elk or antelope i said or so you cannot in utah as a resident you cannot apply 
for limited entry. You guys know what I'm talking about down there. You cannot apply for limited entry antelope and limited entry deer or elk. You got to choose. Um, then you also have to choose between the once in a lifetimes. You choose either sheep, the sheeps, uh, sheeps, the sheep options, moose, goat, bison, and you can't apply for for two. So kind of a weird deal there. But as a non-resident, if you're listening, you can apply for every single one of those. And so I would, for the extra 15 bucks, I'm always pro picking up an extra bonus point, even if it's for something like antelope or, you know, moose or whatever. If you don't think you ever want to, man, things change like they just do. All of a sudden you go on your buddy's moose hunt that he picked up at the hunt expo because he's lucky and you go and it's like man now i fell in love with moose hunting and i really wouldn't mind tipping a moose over someday and it's like if you haven't been picking up those 15 dollar bonus points for the x number of years that you've been applying you'll be kicking yourself i think so uh antelope in utah i think pretty average quality but again, it's something that I'm just going to pick up a point for and maybe I'll use them and maybe I won't. And if I'm out $15 for, you know, 30 years from now, who cares, right? Not that big a deal, 15 bucks every every year. Uh, I think deer in Utah is a sleeper still. Um, and it's, you know, I say that tongue in cheek because there are some of those general units that, yes, they pump out some big bucks, but you have got to spend some time in the unit um just like with any out-of-state hunt i've said this before i think you need to do your due diligence with a scouting trip um don't rely on just hearing it from someone else don't rely on um you know showing up and assuming that just because you've heard that there's a lot of deer or big bucks or whatever some of those general units in utah uh that get a lot of publicity will humble you real quick i can think of a couple guys specifically that uh, i know of that picked up some of those tags and uh it just didn't go the way that they thought it would go at least not the first year or two so um but i still think the deer the general deer tags in utah just holistically throughout the state um are sleepers um I think if a guy spends a little bit of time scouting, most of those general tags have 180-inch deer in them, if not bigger. Um, I would, oh, and then, you know, and then, and and so you can pick those general tags up from anywhere from zero to, I don't know, three points usually in Utah. Well, then it's nice because you can still be building bonus points for a separate category of limited entry deer. And that's where you kind of shoot for the stars, right? So, um, you know, if I was living close or living in Utah, I'd be using the, the general tag to hone my skills or hunt every year or whatever. Uh, if you're, if that makes sense for you and then pick up the general tag or the, uh, you know, pick up a limited entry tag after 15, 20 years of applying and, you know, and then, and that's when you go hunt your, you know, your fancy tag. Okay. Um, the elk, I think in general on elk, you, you do the opposite. You stay away from the general tags, unless you're a resident. They're just not the, they're not worth it. Uh, the Utah tags. Now it, you got to watch Utah cause it seems like they change their regs and their season outlines and the the unit boundaries and what hunts where almost yearly and so now they have oh we're gonna cut off the top third of this unit and it's turning to a general tag and every once in a while you can kind of sneak a little you know a tag before guys know about it um point in case now this is this isn't this is the other way this they took a unit and they added a limited entry tag to it but the the point is they're changing stuff constantly down there it seems like and one example is when they started implementing these uh late season late season limited entry deer tags and it was the first year and my brother and I kind of looked and it was like man is this what we think it is and it was a late muzzleloader hunt on a unit that we've spent a lot of time in and it went into the second week in November or whatever. And it was the first year. And it was like, man, I think it is. And Jason snuck that tag out with like 
six points. Well, now it takes like 15, and there's, you know, so I'm just saying keep an eye on the regs in Utah. It's usually a state worth thumbing through their regs and the, at least the changes for each year because stuff changes. But generally speaking, I stay. I would stay away from the over-the-counter general units for elk as a non-resident. I would look at states like Idaho or Colorado um, for those type of hunts, but I would be shooting for the stars for the, you know, the premium fancy tags for elk in Utah. Uh, I mentioned this earlier in Utah for those, uh, limited draw or well, any of the hunts, right? 50% of the tags, I think, uh, for those limited entry elk tags, for example, 50% of the tags go to the guys with the most bonus points. The other 50% get thrown into a random pool with everyone else below that. And so, you know, you, it's nice. You know, again, variety is nice, right? You can plan on drawing a tag if you just build points and don't want to go hunt until the year that you know you want to go hunt. Or you can also just have a chance of pulling a tag, you know, randomly, some of these unknowns. And so Utah kind of offers that. We talked about license double dipping. Uh, the dedicated hunter program in Utah, um, it just depends. If you're not, you know, we've talked about this before multiple times. What is the dedicated hunter? It allows you for general deer, just general deer in Utah, resident or non-resident, to basically enter a program that's a three-year program uh, where you are quote-unquote guaranteed a tag in a certain unit two out of three years and so once you if you're successful and some of these dedicated hunter units even though they're general they're taking some points right people are starting to realize how cool this can be um, but if you can pick up one you basically are awarded a tag every year until you kill two deer okay you're also awarded a tag for each of the three or four seasons depending on the unit i think meaning you can, first of all, meaning you can hunt archery, then you can go hunt muzzleloader, then you can hunt the early rifle and the late rifle if they have it, right? That in and of itself is pretty cool. Then, like I said, you're awarded a tag every year until you kill two deer in that three years. So if you kill your first deer of the program on the whatever hunt, doesn't matter, muzzleloader hunt, and then the next year you kill on the late rifle tag, the third year you will not get a tag. Uh, or on the flip side, let's say you kill your first year, you have a bunch of other hunts in the second year, you don't even get down there and hunt and you don't kill anything on the second year. And then the third year you go back and kill on the archery t tag. Um, you would still get that tag for the second year or the third year there that you could, uh, that you could kill on. So two, two deer in, in three years, however, that shakes out first. Um, and you get to hunt all the weapon choices pretty incredible deal here's the catch you got to do your service you got to put up a certain number of service hours each year in order to stay in the program so to speak um, it's like eight the first year and then whatever it is you know 24 18 or something the second year and then by the end you have to complete 32 hours of service so what if i live in Minnesota. How the heck am I going to get to Utah? Is that a program that I want to get into? Well, I don't know. D probably not to do the service hours, but they also offer an outlet if you just want to buy, either buy your hours with money or buy your hours with providing um, materials for projects, right? They're looking for guys to hands-on to go out and help them with these things in the field, put in guzzlers, build fence, reseed burns, or whatever it might be. Um, for you know those are just a few examples maybe you live in the e on in the east coast but you own a construction company and you could somehow donate all the materials or something for some guzzler i don't know the point is that stuff can count towards your um towards your service hours otherwise it's twenty dollars per hour and again by the end of the third year you're going to have accumulated 32 hours worth of that so you can do the math there but Pretty cool program if you live close to Utah, I think, or just, you know, man, you just want to, like, dive into a state and really get to know a unit. I can't think of a better way to do it, right? It's like kind of like the youth hunts where you can hunt all the 
all the weapon choices back in the day it was like kind of insane that they let us do that but now you know there's a chance in utah so last thing on utah i'll talk about i will mention this is the trail cameras and i'm not going to dive into the politics of all this all i will say and my advice is generally speaking if it's a unit that uh lends itself to being successful finding a big buck or a mature bull or whatever in a unit that has or that allows trail cameras especially and what i mean by lends itself to is usually dry units dry units are thick units right um if i've got an area down in the southern half of the state that's super relatively dry by the time the hunts roll around or you know even early august um water is king and that's sometimes your only chance to find these bucks um or a thick unit right maybe there's elk on a thick excuse me elk in a thick unit you know and you're trying to pin them down and thick timber and they're hitting a guzzler but you know you you can't sit there in glass or whatever then trail cameras lend themselves to help you be successful now here's my disclaimer on this as some of you have probably seen me talk about you know the banning trail cameras if it was put to a i will i will use cameras as long as they're legal especially if you're targeting mature animals in units like that that are dry or thick because basically nowadays you have to to be competitive to keep tabs or to find these bucks that these other guys are finding if you're after the most mature deer in the unit you got to run a trail camera in a lot of these cases to have a chance with the amount of guides and outfitters and guys that are just you know casually running 40 cameras or 140 cameras or whatever that being said if it was put in front of me today right now i would vote against it and you can love me hate me whatever you want but that's just where I stand so if they're legal I'll use them and if not or if there if it was put to a vote I would I would do without them uh but that's just you know you uh you hate the game you know you don't you you know you play by the rules that are put in front of you basically so anyway that wraps up Utah and the bulk of this podcast good luck in the draws this podcast brought to you by the way by the only sponsor that we've ever had so far, which is Backcountry Logistics Pack Llamas, taking you to new places and helping you kill bigger buck and bull. Hit up Backcountry Logistics for all of your pack llama needs this year at rentpacklamas.com or on Instagram at find uh, backcountry underscore logistics. You can also hit us up on the Finding Backcountry podcast Instagram page or shoot me a message, uh, findingbackcountry at gmail.com. I don't check that a ton. There's probably, um, you know, dozens of hate mail in there or something like that. But really appreciate you guys listening along to me, Jabber. Um, If you have suggestions, feedback, love this episode, hate this episode, please pass it on to me um one of the next ones i'm going to do here is like a little gear review slash breakdown i think that would be cool so uh until next time stay fancy